0: But um, yeah, what a day it's been. I don't know how your day was, but mine was a bit crazy. So what I'd really like to do first, you know the expression, America runs on Duncan. Well, Christians run on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, we need the Holy Spirit to drive us tonight. I'm sure you're all fatigued after a busy day, and I am too. So let's uh, agree with me uh, that He, the Holy Spirit, will take all of the bits and pieces that we've, we've put together over the last three weeks, and He'll bring a conclusion to it that will be something that we can act on together. Let's pray. Lord, we are your people and we are the sheep of your pasture. And so, Lord, we, uh, we yield ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, you've been sent specifically to lead us and to guide us into all truth. We invite you. We need you to do that to us tonight. We open our hearts and our minds to hear your voice. We surrender all of the stuff of the day, we just put it at the foot of the cross, and we're refreshed even now in your presence. We're refreshed as we surrender the next hour to you, to your word, to your will, and to your desires, and we thank you, Lord, that you are continuing to shape us and mold us into the image of your dear Son, and when you come, we will be like you, and we look forward to that day. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us tonight in Jesus' name. It's funny, when I was uh, a couple of weeks back, I was in a Starbucks, and uh, uh, this song came up on the, you know, how in the background music was, I'd rather be a hammer than a nail. Yes, I would, if I only could. You guys know this one, right? Come on, I nailed it, right? Yeah. Oh, but I'm bummed. <laughs> But it's funny as you get into these kinds of topics and you, the way my mind works immediately made the connection that today's society, we'd much rather be the one in authority and not have the responsibility that the nail has to hold the two pieces of wood together. I'd rather be in authority than have any responsibility or accountability, right? I'd rather be a hammer than a nail. In fact, when Tony Cook was here a couple of weeks back, he used another expression. He said, when the only thing in your toolbox is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, And doesn't that just go in line with our discussion of the limits of authority? If a hammer represents authority, if if your responsibility is complete, you don't need that hammer anymore. But if all you see is your hammer, you're going to take that authority elsewhere and abuse it. Every time authority is put in in your hands, it's to carry out a responsibility. When the responsibility is finished, you put that back in the toolbox, even if it's the only tool that you have. Don't use it for anything but the responsibility that it's been given to you for. Remember the the slide we put up before, it said authority without responsibility is tyranny. I mean, you know, you can run rampant with that. And on the flip side of that, responsibility without any authority is impotence. You you can't really get anything done. So there has to be a good balance of both authority and responsibility. They need to go together. It's important to know when you're under authority and also when you're in authority. Another good point of review is that, that authority is given for a responsibility. The responsibility is always given first with the authority to come along. We put that first scripture up, Ephesians 2.8. We looked at this one before. Which is, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. So who, who prepared the works for you? God did, right? And so who's going to hold you accountable? God will. God will. Yeah. So it's important that we get in line with that and we do that. Our authority in Christ is to carry out that responsibility. We'll talk a little bit about that. The last uh, two weeks ago, we started to talk about submission, a key to completing our responsibility. And uh, you can put the definition up again. And I've kind of truncated it this time around and highlighted the ones in yellow. So it's to, to uh, yield yourself to the authority of or will of another. It's a choice that you make to choose to put your will under. The word submit is, is uh, sub, uh, I don't know what the word is, they're smaller. They're, the two pieces, sub is under and mit is from mitter, so put or send under. You're simply putting or sending your will under the will of another. That's all it is, it's very simple. It's not, it's not anything that's derogatory or negative or bad. It's just choosing to put your will under the will of another. It's Submission. Next slide, we talked about, and this was the heart of last week's lesson or last time's lesson. Submission is an attitude of the heart, and it's absolute. So, it, because it's a heart attitude, you always want to look for the authorities over you and submit to them in a way that, that's, that's heartfelt, that's right, that's correct. And your obedience should follow suit. It's, but, it, but it's relative, but it's only relative to the Word of God. So, you should obey the authorities over you no matter what unless they're asking you to do something that's contrary to God's word. Then you can say no, but you can do that in a submissive way. Or if the authority over you is asking you to put somebody in danger or to do something that's that's clearly going to put you in danger, or if there's some reason, for some reason, you can't carry out the responsibility at all. But the way to handle that is in a very submissive way. You always have a hard attitude of submission. That's an absolute. So you always look to the one in authority and express your concerns about that. Uh, with them. We're not suggesting by any means that you're not as worthy as the one in authority. It's important to recognize your worth has nothing to do with whether you're under authority or in authority. Your worth is that Jesus died for you. Amen. It's Jesus' blood who paid the price for you to live. You are a very worthy person. And he formed you and saw you formed in your mother's womb, and, and he has a purpose and a work for you to do. You are very worthy. So whether you're in authority or under authority, that's, that's, that does not define you. I'm not also suggesting that you just roll over and obey or just do whatever. You know, God gave you the ability to think. He gave you the ability to, to reason. Now, you can get in trouble with that. Because we remember, we talked to her a couple weeks back about leading by your flesh or your soul. It'll get you in trouble. But if you're led by your spirit man, which is the way God intended you to be, And then you use your reasoning to follow through with God's will. Now you're in good stead to talk to somebody else about a situation that you're not in agreement with, still in full submission. So I'm not saying blindly obey by any means. um, But your obedience really should follow through in respect to the authority that's over you. Even if you disagree, you need to obey. It's important. God's will for us is to do that. Other people are watching you, and you set an example when you do it the right way. It's a matter of conduct. The third thing we pointed out is that uh, as Christians, we submit to all authorities. Of course, we want to submit to our Father, who is God. That's a no-brainer. That's right, because it comes from the Spirit, right? (laughs) And we need to submit to Jesus, who is His Son, who is the head of the church, and Jesus and God are one. Of course, we need to submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, because he was sent here to connect us with him. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So we need to submit to God. That seems obvious, but we don't always do that, partly because we don't discipline ourselves to hear him. We don't seek for him with all of our heart. And as a result, we're missing him. Meanwhile, the world is calling us into all kinds of things. So we need to submit to God, but we've also been shown that we need to submit to the authorities on the earth. We need to submit to the authorities that we find wherever we encounter them. I'll give you an example here. We'll take a look at the scriptures in Matthew chapter 17. Uh, This is Peter and Jesus. Here we go. And we'll start with uh, verse, we'll read 24 to 26. When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, listen to this question, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? I mean, first of all, the way that question was asked is like already aggressive, isn't it? Does your, people, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? I can imagine the attitude. And I love the way Peter answered it in verse 25. He says, and he said, yes. Yes, he does not pay the temple tax or yes, he does. I think it's, like, <laughs> it's a great response, right? Because I'm guessing that Peter didn't really know how to answer that question. <laughs> and then when he had come to the house, Jesus anticipated him. He knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. He knows what you're thinking. So straighten up some of you. Um, Sorry, that's a. Sorry. <laughs> um, he already, yeah, I'm speaking to me, sorry. <laughs> he knows what you're thinking. So, anyway, Jesus, already anticipating his question, uh, he, said, he said to him uh, in verse 26, uh, let's see, no, sorry, where are we? Verse 25. And he had come into the house, Jesus anticipating him and said, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter, Peter, verse 26 said to him, from strangers. And Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. In verse 27, look at this. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast on the hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. So we see here again, Peter, not sure how to answer that question. He says, yes, Jesus now takes it as an opportunity to teach him. And through the gospel of Matthew, he's teaching us. He's saying, look, if, uh, if, if the kings of the earth, they, they have their children, and their children sit at their table, and they don't have to pay the tax. That's obvious, right? It's interesting that he says the ones that pay the tax are the strangers. Remember a few weeks ago, there was a scripture in Matthew chapter 7, I think it was, where we said, depart, I never knew you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, these people in the king's kingdom are subjects of his, and yet they never knew him. They're strangers, and so they pay the tax. We can be Christians in the kingdom of God, but if he never knew us, we are strangers to him. And he says, depart. I never knew you. So we need to know the king. That's great, because then you don't have to pay the tax. My point is is that as natural kings go, they're going to extract a tax from their subjects, those who are under their kingdom. And Jesus said, but from the temple tax, this is God's house. This is God's kingdom. He's obviously the king, right? He's the king of the temple. And so his sons are also exempt. So that clearly says that Jesus, who is his son, is exempt from paying the temple tax. You follow me? And because Peter knew God through Jesus, he was also exempt. So he didn't have to pay the tax. He might not even agree with the tax. But it didn't matter. He said, so we don't offend them. Let's go ahead and take care of this piece of business. He submitted to the authority of the person collecting the temple tax and, uh, and took care of that in a way that God would have him do. It wasn't in violation of anything God had told him to do. He only did what his father told him to do. Obviously, he had the go ahead, the green light from the father. And so he, 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 and he knew where to find a, a coin. That was pretty awesome, too. Um, but the point is, he, he obeyed the authorities on the. Uh, let me give you another example. Maybe this is more relatable. A couple weeks ago, I was standing out in the foyer, and a brother came up to me, and he was, we were chatting a little bit, and, and he, he started to share a testimony. He said, you know, it wasn't too long ago that I was coming up 295. This was him, not me. He was coming up 295 at night, and, and I saw the blue lights behind him. He was pulled over by the authorities. And uh, so he, he obeyed, and he pulled over, and, and he kept his hands up on the wheel, and he rolled down the window and kept his hands on the wheel, and they said, you know, do you know why I pulled you over? And he, he said, no, I have no idea. And uh, he asked for his license. He was like, well, they're very careful to get it out. You know, he did everything right. He was very, very submissive to the authorities. And uh, they went and he came back and said, you're okay, don't worry about it, just go on your way. And he gave him back his license and on he went. So he was like, glory to God, what favor I had. You know, he was giving testimony to God. It's wonderful. Can you imagine if he said, in, 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 in all desire to be a witness, you know, I'm a Christian officer. And uh, I'm not of this world. <laughs> Or of this kingdom. <laughs> yeah. I have laws of which you know not. <laughs> and I don't have to pay this ticket if you were to write one, or even obey your laws, because I'm, I'm of another kingdom. How quickly the favor that he just talked about <laughs> would have gone away, right? No, you need to submit to, to the authorities on the earth. You, you need to obey. And he, and somebody was standing with him, and, he was, and, and she was actually jesting. She said, Wait a minute, brother, now you to me to tell me that you were speeding? <laughs> and he, goes, he, he puts his head in, no, it wasn't me. He goes, but my foot, my foot was pushing down on that accelerator. <laughs> but you know, you can learn something from that too. We're all one body, aren't we? And, and one of us fails when one of us disobeys, when one of us does not follow the rules, when one of us really puts a blemish on all of us, doesn't it? You know, so it's not just you and your need to get home soon because dinner's getting cold. You know, <laughs> you need to recognize that you put a spot on the, on the Christian body when you do something wrong. The contrary is also true. When you do it right, you bring glory to God, and that's how you want to do it. So, you know, flip it into the positive. You want to obey God. You want to obey the authorities on the earth, and, uh, and it will go well with you if you do that. So his submission then, you know, it doesn't matter. When he was pulled over, because he was submitted, If everything worked out well for him. And it didn't really matter whether he was speeding or not. It didn't matter whether it was right for the authorities to pull him over, did it? Right? They had the authority on the highway to pull him over for, for whatever reason. And uh, so he's not going to argue with them. Hey, I was going 65, speed limit says 65. You know, that's a, a good way to get a warning. Um, so he, even, if, even if he felt very comfortable that he had never speeded, now let's assume the authorities had written him a citation and he knew that he was innocent. How do you handle that? Well, it's pretty simple. There are opportunities to appeal but there's the right opportunity. You don't get out of your car and stomp up and down and say, this is bull, and you know, <laughs> throw a temper tantrum. No, that might get you another citation, or maybe even taken into the clink for a night. Um, <laughs> so no, you, you, you recognize, okay, we have a disagreement here. I believe I was obeying the speed limit. I appreciate the work you do out here, officer. I will probably take my opportunity to appeal within the court system. It's a simple way to do it. It's not confrontational. It's still... Very, it's still Submission is absolute. It's still a submissive attitude, even if you don't believe that the fine is appropriate. Now, listen, I'm not saying that if you are speeding and you get pulled over to expect God to deliver you. <laughs> there are consequences for our sins, and uh, we need to be responsible for our actions. Now, glorify God if you do have favor. That's wonderful. But if you were speeding and you got a citation, thank you, sir, I will slow down and I'll take care of the penalty uh, as soon as I get a chance. Be, be accountable. Take responsibility for your actions. Right? That's an important attitude. And I'll tell you, as we were raising our kids, a couple of things we told them. If you want to stand out in the workplace, show up on time. That's a huge difference from so many people today. Get to work on time. Come prepared. Come dressed for the event. Work hard all day. Those are simple things. If you guys want this church to shine, come to worship on time. Come prepared. Come pray it up. Wow, what's going to happen when that happens? Glory to God. I'm preaching the choir tonight, I know it. So, that's kind of by way of summary. Um... And it's important, so as we, as we submit to authorities, we submit to God, we also need to submit to one another. A couple of scriptures just to, to bring that home, and then we're going to shift gears a little bit. So if you can put up, uh, what do we have, 1 first Corinthians 1.10? First uh, there it is. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. With that, you perfectly be joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Your foot on the accelerator should obey your mind, which says keep the speed under the speed limit. Ephesians 5, 17 to 21 is the next scripture. Uh, yeah, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's important if you want to know what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another, this is important too. In psalms and hymns and spiritual thong- songs. Singing and making melody to your, uh, in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. You heard me sing a few minutes ago. I think it's a good thing that uh, we get to submit to TJ and Pastor Kurt when it comes to worship and not to me, right? We want to submit to their gifts. When it comes to teaching, you can submit to mine. And Pastor John, when it comes to preaching. So there's different gifts, different parts of of the ministry. Submit to them. Submit to one another, and it works out well. All right, have I confused anybody? Does anybody have a burning question? I think in the very first class, I promised opportunities for you to ask questions, and I failed to deliver on that promise. I'm going to take a risk for one minute. Does anybody (laughs) have any questions before we go into scenarios? All right. That's good because you're going to save them all for this next part. What we're going to do now is I'm going to put up four different scenarios. We'll do one at a time. There's two scenarios that are related to being under authority and the following two are related to being in authority. What we're going to do is I'm going to put the scenario up I'm going to have you read it. I'll read it out loud for anyone who might be pulling this down on podcast. And then, uh, then we'll talk about it together We'll see what you think about it, okay? So here's the first one. start reading for the benefit of the recording. Pastor John knows that we need the power of God in our lives in order to impact our region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This power comes as we submit more completely to God. However, we as a church have become too familiar with God. We're too casual with the things pertaining to God and lacks in our responsibility to carry out God's will in this region. To bring forth more of an atmosphere of reverence for the Lord, Pastor John has asked all the men to wear jackets and ties to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. Women are required to wear dresses that bring honor to God. No one will be allowed in the church without formal attire that honors God and reflects our reverence toward the Lord. Now, understanding, understanding spiritual authority, how, how should we respond to this request? Now it's your turn. Who wants to go first? <laughs> Well, wait a minute, this says Pastor John, and the question from Pastor John is, is this hypothetical? <laughs> this is the beauty of being led by the Spirit, because in his spirit and in my spirit is the same truth. But we're not going to answer that question until after we have the answers. <laughs> because even whether it is or not should not affect how you respond. But we will talk about that. All right, who wants to go first? Come on, somebody, be bold. Richard? Okay, she'll be bold next. <laughs> I certainly would respect Pastor John's uh, position as the pastor and the, the leader of our church. Um, I, to the extent that I, I disagree with it, which is the idea of turning people away who are not perhaps dressed up to the, the standards that Pastor John wants to uh, aspire to, I would, I, I would go to him or go to perhaps someone under him and suggest that that, I, that that might be something that he would want to reconsider. All right, so Richard is going to correct Pastor John. Who's next? Wendy? Only with respect
1: to that issue of. of, t- of no qualifications. Of
0: turning people away.
1: I would submit myself, but I would ask that he may soften that one position.
0: <laughs> You'd think he was an attorney or something. <laughs> Alan? Wendy? Wendy is next. <laughs> All right, now who's going to be Paul? <laughs> Wendy.
2: I would totally, you know, be obedient to Pastor John because he's in authority over me. And if he asks me to come dress properly and be ready, you know when I come to church, he's an authority over me. Mm. So I would totally, I wouldn't even look to argue, even if I feel like I don't want to get dressed up. But mm. I would. You, you I would, would be totally. You, you would in,
0: totally, totally get on board. Now, when I he, would be on board. So for the benefit of those listening, she, she said that she, she says it's Pastor John's desire to do it. She would totally get on board. Now, it's easy for her to say that because she always comes dressed to the nines. <laughs> So it's really not submission for her because she's a- already in agreement. <laughs> Who's next? i gonna keep you running, down. We got one over here.
3: <laughs> um, I just wanna point out something. Um, there's really nothing wrong with the attires. Um, to me personally i it would make a lot more sense to me if it was to be like first Sundays of the month last Sundays of the month i 'm an African and um personally right. i you know I feel like yeah i 'm in positions where I just want to rock my cultural attire you know yeah, i don 't sure. feel like yeah. you know something should be in the way of that that 's just my opinion
0: that 's cool yeah. no thanks for sharing there's times when your culture would maybe want you to wear something else, or and so he, so he, this brother over here, he's not all in, he's not all out, he's kind of half and half, like some Sundays in, some Wednesdays out, or whatever. However, that works best. So he's not completely on board. Anybody else? Some in the middle here. Go ahead.
4: I would try to let Pastor John know that <laughs> even though how we're dressing, I would want him to know that I haven't become laxed in my faith or you know, I wouldn't Ooh. first of all I wouldn't want to give him reason to make him think that I'm not worthy of you know, that I'm not laxed. Yeah. Yeah. So I would do whatever he would want me to do because I want him to know that um that I feel great about Jesus and God and that I'm not laxed. With so, so
0: out of being offended by being called lax, you would submit to his request?
4: <laughs> if that's... Yeah, okay, I oh, guess You know
0: I'm just messing with you. Yeah, right? <laughs> But
4: I just... That's what i Yeah. I would feel bad that he would think that I felt lax.
0: Yeah. No, I, that's cool. That's great. That's kind of offensive. Behind you, Alan, is, is Becky. Oh, oh
4: no. <laughs> I would feel instantly challenged because real talk it's trendy to be casual in Mm. church I see churches like Elevation and Transformation Church who are doing incredible things for God and they get to wear their ripped jeans and leather jackets on stage but God forbid you have two holes in your knees on the front row Mm. but That being said, if I've been planted somewhere, God has people planted at Elevation Church to impart what they need, and God has, for the sake of the example, God has me planted here, and what he imparts to the shepherd, he's got it for the sheep. So, granted, I would be kicking and screaming at that, because I would wear sweatpants all day, every day, but... It's again it's it's like what pastor Kurt and pastor John said at the beginning of service it's your will and even though you don't agree with it god if this is where you're leading me am i willing to swallow what it is i think is right what the world is trending as culturally acceptable and normal if we're going to be the anomaly in the church and in the body of Christ am i willing to submit to an authority i don't completely agree with
0: mm. Yeah, thank you. So, so her response was really from a standpoint of well, culturally it's, it's, not, it's not popular or, and, and physically it's not comfortable to do what's being asked. Uh, on the other hand, in this, in this body, Pastor John has the authority, so her submissive heart would be to kick and scream all the way to, to <laughs> obedience. Did I get that right? <laughs> all right, one more, one more. Mark, where's that? Oh, sorry, did I miss one over here? Flo, alright, let's let's come up here to the front. I, she's dressed well. I, I think I'll be okay with this one.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Yes. God is godly. He wants us to dress well. Yes. But uh, I will not expect Pastor John to dictate. What we should wear yeah. is the authority. Yes, mm. but our heart is, is is the parents. Yeah, and we are not. Uh, we are equally born, but not equally talented. We are different. Mm. So, like, um, I mean, for a job, the same thing at the job. They will say, "Don't dress this way. Don't dress this way." But some people cultural. Mm. They want to do this. This is their belief. Mm. Personally, I will walk to Pastor John. I will explain that for this reason, this is why I'm dressing this way. Yeah. For this reason, this is why I'm dressing this way. Yeah. Like I said, cultural, if something should happen yeah. in my country, like I mean, where I was born, yeah. like when my father passed away, I have to shave my head. Uh-huh. I have to leave it open or cover it. It depends. But I will explain myself to him. I will respect the authority, yeah. because it doesn't matter to me whoever is in authority. I have to respect and I have to obey. Yes. So yes. Bishop I we explain
0: wonderful to yeah.
2: him what is happening.
0: Yeah. Excellent. All right, we're gonna we're gonna bring this one to a close and we're gonna move on because there's several others. Um, let me ask this question though: How many of you? How many of you agree with the, with the idea here? Does everyone, Does anyone agree that dressing up is a good idea? Yeah. It's interesting because I've done this scenario, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And, and usually in this authority class, about a third, a third to a half are really on board with the idea. And the reason is, is because, and if you think about it this way, what if, what if the, the, uh, the message on Instagram or the email went out saying, Gordon has been canceled because the resurrected Christ is going to be here. And he's going to stand before you and give you some suggestions on how to carry out your responsibility. So, so I would sit, obviously, and we would... How would you dress if it was Jesus, the resurrected Christ, the one with the hair as bright and white as snow and eyes as fire? Would, you, I mean, would that make a difference? It would not. No. He, he would know your heart. Okay. Okay. So, so, if, so if your heart is... Okay, Jesus, you and me are chill. So I'm coming in with my flip-flops. You know.
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I bring it up that way because I want you to recognize that in the body, see, see division is, is the devil's number one thing. And so there are folks in the body of Christ who believe passionately that you bring your Sunday best. It it represents, when you dress up, it demonstrates your heart. It's an outward action of your inward heart, which shows that you really fully respect and honor and revere God. And so you're going to come with that attitude. You're going to come looking like that. You're going to dress up in response to the glory and goodness of God. There are people who are passionate about that. And if they came in and saw some of you, they'd be like, this is very shame for me. There's no fear of the Lord in here. There's no respect for God. It's no wonder there's no gifts for the Spirit flowing. Look at the way y'all dressed out here. <laughs> On the other hand, there are lots of you and, and many in the body now who, who also believe you, you. come as you are. You come as you are. He knows your heart. And uh, it, it, it's, it's okay because you are seeking Him. You're seeking the truth. It's not about a fashion contest. And there's all kinds of hypocrisy out there where people dress to the nines but they sin all day long. So it doesn't mean that because you dress up you are holier uh, or, or because you're not dressed up, you're more of a sin, sinner by any means. So, so there's not a right or wrong in here in terms of whether the idea is good. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he's right or wrong, does it? Remember when I talked to you about Adam and Eve in the beginning, I said, look, here's what happened. They started to think about it. And then they started to get tempted by, well, my flesh would be more comfortable eating this apple and my, I can be wise and made to know good and evil. My, my mind would be much better off if I ate this. Did they ever consult the spirit who was right there with them? No. What does the spirit want? What does he want? So your flesh is immediately going to read this. Most of us would go, you know, it wasn't but a year ago he took his tie off. You know, is he off his rocker? <laughs> right? And by the way, I put mine on tonight just for that purpose. <laughs> Um, and, but you're flat, and then you'll start to reason and wonder. Well, and, and you'll hear things like, well, Jesus never wore a tie. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with it, but you're right. right? <laughs> and what about someone coming for the first time? They're doing the rules. Are you not going to let them in? Oh, well, we can lend them a blazer, you know, like they do at the hoity-toity clubs, you know. <laughs> you know, there's ways around things. But what I want to get across to you is this, is that you need to first pray. Look to the spirit. What is he trying to do? Look to his responsibility. Is it in line with the goals that God has given him—to evangelize New England, to reach out? is this, if, if this were, uh, it really is heart. I mean, it lists the reasons why right there, right? I mean, we want to bring in that reverence. We want to be excited about God, and we want to have that sense of worship in here, uh, and that when people come and we want to bring people, uh, they'll see what God is like. So I think the the responsibility and the motives are great you know, as it's written here. Would you all agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. And so as you pray about that, understand the responsibility. You know, don't look at him as a person in authority and go, oh, he's trying to control my life again. No, look at the responsibility. What's the big picture? And how can I get on board and get in there and support him in that? That's the important part. And then, uh, of course, his responsibility comes from where? Yeah, so if you can't explain it to Pastor John, you might have to explain it to his boss. You want to do that? (laughs) But I, I say that a little bit in jest, but it's reality. You know, you're talking about God. God is talking to him, and he carries the weight of what God has laid on his shoulders. You can't casually dismiss that. It's a huge responsibility. And so we need to learn how to get in underneath him and support that, whether or not our flesh agrees. Doesn't matter, right? I'll, I'll let you. Go. <laughs> the answer to Pastor John's question: This is hypothetical, so you don't have to worry. <laughs> this is hypothetical. Yes. Did you hear, so Pastor John just said the irony of this is that when he took the tie off, there were people in a congregation who wanted to sit down and explain to him how it should be to keep the tie on. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Now, again, as I mentioned to you over and over again, if you have ideas, she, she, she explained, my culture, there are issues, there, there, there are times when I, I can't do what you're asking, or what if I bring someone in who's homeless and doesn't have a tie, what if, there's, all kinds of things to discuss but you do it with a submissive heart you know Pastor John I love what you're trying to do here and I love the idea you want to bring more power in and the reverence of God is so important and we need to get more disciplined and and I'm all about that but I have a couple of questions for you not concerns not doubts I'm not questioning your authority I just I want to know, know more do you really mean that someone who comes for the first time can't be let in without a tie is that is that did I understand you right 99% 99% of the problems you have with authority is not because of the authority but because of communication or lack thereof so ask a question ask one of the elders ask him ask one of the other pastors ask in a submissive way learn try to understand but try to understand to get on board not to get out of it there's a huge difference there and it's very subtle so make sure as you, as you ask and this is true for anyone in authority Okay, let's go to the next scenario. This gets more exciting. The new dress code seems to be having the desired results. There's a much stronger atmosphere of reverence for the Lord in the church and the worship is lively. It's intense for many it has been life-changing. Some have even begun to bring newcomers on a regular basis. But more needs to be done. Pastor John now wants us to take this attitude of godly fear and reverence and respect and make it a daily lifestyle. He now wants the men to wear jackets and ties to work every day, no matter what type of job we have to do. His argument is that it will daily remind us of who we are in Christ and thus help the world to see Christ in us. In this way, we'll be a continual witness to this region seven days a week and not just on Sundays or Wednesdays within the walls of our church. Now, for those who are listening by podcast, there are a lot of giggles and chuckles and snickers. It sounds like a little bit of insubordination going on. I'm not. What do you think? How are we going to handle this? Go ahead, Mark. Well, hypothetically. Hypothetically. In other words, this isn't a Mark speaking.
3: Um, the boundaries are being crossed there of authority. Because while we're here and we're worshiping God, sure, we're always under the power and authority of God and who he delegates it to. So who were servants under at that time. When we're at church, sure, Pastor John can say we need to wear our jackets and ties but his authority ends here, under God. When we go on the job, say we're a coal miner, I'm not going in there in my, uh, (laughs) you know, my jacket and my tie, on top of the fact that that'd be extremely dangerous, but his authority ends when service ends, but God's authority in our life spiritually continues, so no matter what we're wearing outside in the world, our character, um, should always show through regardless of the attire. But here, having that reverence, um, it's showing in that way in our dress, good. Uh, um, and totally agreed with. Outside of here, um, not so much. We're under the authority of the people we're working for, our bosses, our spouses, uh, spouse, single, single. So,
0: so what, I hear, what I'm hearing is this. I'm hearing you say that Pastor John pours out his heart to us on Sunday mornings, but once we leave that door, (laughs) he has no more influence on us. His authority stops at the door, I think Mark said. Now, we're still submitted to God, to be fair. He did bring that up. Um, But whatever he said is only for here. Okay, just so you know. (laughs) Anyone else want to take a crack at this one? Uh, somebody else. I need a new, a, new, a new mouth, a new voice. Who else? Oh, uh, you talked already. Somebody else. Somebody's got to be bold here. Ron? Nothing? I'm retired. You're retired. <laughs> Ron's got shorts on. <laughs> he's got shorts on. He's, he's not going to talk. <laughs> you got one back there? Okay.
1: Hey, I'm coming from the back. Nice. Uh, oh. This is interesting. I like seeing the different responses. It's nice to get our skin peeled back once in a while. Um, I think what this is speaking to more, especially in part two, is the suit and tie that we're wearing is our inner man all the time, the Holy Spirit. Nice. So with the first part, what I felt was if wearing the new dress code to church was being used as a means to draw spirituality out, ugh, spirituality out of people more than it was the wrong way because you could be clean on the outside and have dead man's bones on the inside the bigger test is getting more people to get involved in any way so then you take it to this part which is If you buy the suit, and it costs a lot of money, so that's a sacrifice, and then you wear it to the coal miner job, and you get it dirty and ripped, even after you made that sacrifice, are you still going to wear it? So I think the point is more, are you still going to represent what we come here to represent out there, regardless of the cost?
0: Wow. There's a lot of depth to that. Thank you for sharing. Wonderful. All right, so, so what are, how are we going to handle this? I mean, I think the, the point is clear that, as we talked about in previous lessons, there are limits to authority. And Pastor John doesn't want anything to do with telling you what to wear to work. Who has authority over you at what to wear at work? Your boss. Now, as your pastor, he does have the desire to influence your attitude. And he wants you to take that outside the floor, outside, right? So, so you need, if, you're, if your job is a coal miner and you have a coal miner's smock, one way you can honor God is to make sure that's clean every day. If it's torn, get it mended. Uh, if it needs to be pressed, press it. That might look funny because everyone else is wrinkled, but do what you can do. Secondly, the command is to put a jacket and tie on. Your job requires a smock. I'm thinking a jumpsuit of some kind. I don't know. I'm not a coal miner. But your job... So, so you have a conflict here. How do you handle conflict? Do you... do you, for, Here's the first thing you don't do. Hey, come here. you hear what Pastor John said? You know what he's trying to do? Well He's really... You don't start doing that. Don't start turning him down. You know who's going to get a hold of that. There's a division of spirit. The devil's going to get... It's just... That's the beginning of the end. Don't do that. The first thing you want to do is, what did I say earlier? Pray. Check with your spirit. What is the intent? What's the spiritual intent, spiritual intent? What is the purpose that he's trying to do? He's trying to let people see Jesus everywhere. Not just drag them here to see Jesus, but they should be seeing Jesus in you wherever you go. Yeah, right. Now, the point of whether you dress nice or not is, is, is debatable. But the point is, you need to have that hard attitude of submission to it, and God will honor that. So you might get persecuted because your jumpsuit suit is ironed and clean, and everyone else is, is charcoal black and wrinkled. And they might be like, "What do you do? That? Why do you do that every night? It's just going to get dirty the next day." Well, I do it because I just think it, it, it brings glory to God. It honors God. It gives you a chance to witness. And they might look at you as a kook, but they'll look at you, you know. And eventually, you'll either be persecuted or you'll win souls. Both of those bring glory to God. Amen. Not that we want persecution, but Jesus said you're going to get it. And if you're not getting it, maybe you're not bringing up Jesus. So be willing to stand out. Be willing to be different. And if you can't comply to the request, be willing to communicate. I have a job that requires me as a nurse to wear a nurse's uniform, and uh, I cannot wear a tie. Well, what if you put a jacket and tie underneath your uniform? Well, then I'd sweat like a dog and no one wants <laughs> want me. Yeah, <laughs> There's some discussion. But clearly, our pastors are not lunatics. You know, they understand the situation, and they want, they're just doing this perhaps as, oh, I didn't mean for that situation, I just meant I want you to look good. You know, and you can clear up a whole bunch of stuff just by communicating, and don't forget to pray. So important. All right, now we're going to, now you've done this so well, you're going to get promoted. Let's go to being in authority. The next scenario, please. Alan just lost his job. (laughs) You are in a position of authority over the ushers in the church. The ushers are required to be at their respective positions every Sunday at 8 o'clock. It has come to your attention that one of the ushers has been arriving at 8.20 on a consistent basis. After addressing the situation on numerous occasions directly with the usher, you still find that there is no improvement in behavior. And furthermore, there's no legitimate reason for his tardiness. You have spoken with Pastor John about this person, and he's given you the authority to handle it as you feel God would lead you. However, both you and and Pastor acknowledge the call this individual has on his life and the fact that he is very highly regarded among the congregation, how are you going to handle it with the usher? Not so easy to be in authority, is it? Someone's going to step up. Who's going to do, who's going to handle this? Well, since I'm under authority, I have lost my job. <laughs> Alan has just passed the mic. Who's going to raise their hand? Who's going to tell me how to handle this insubordinate usher? Well, Becky and Richard, we've already heard from both of you, but we'll hear from you again. Go ahead with Becky here. uh... Um,
4: As far, I feel like the call and the being highly regarded are two different issues because... uh, I identify with this because even if you're called, it doesn't mean that you have to consistently be in a season of duty because a lot of times you need a time of rest because you can get so burnt out on your call that you forget to take care of the basics. And if this was me if I acknowledge that there was a significant uh, anointing or call on this person, I wouldn't want that to burn out. And if I see it burning out, if I see them failing in the small things, if you can't be faithful with little, you can't be faithful with much. So for their sake, I would want to have them step down, if anything, just for a period of time to be like something is off. You see the call. We see the call. There's something going on in your life, whether it be an authority issue with God or personal issues that you need to figure out so that you can get pruned back to cultivate more. Um,
0: So Becky is going to be a great mom someday (laughs) because she's going to put this usher in timeout. Yes. You're going to sit in the corner until you figure out who you are. She's very compassionate, too. She's concerned for the usher. It's clear that his lack of responsibility is not his fault. It's because he's burning out, which implies that the head usher is asking too much of him. So maybe she should look in the mirror as head usher and say, why is this usher burning out? Just playing with
4: you. Okay. (laughs) Who
0: else? Who else has an idea? Thank you for sharing Okay, okay <laughs> It's not okay, John
1: so i I kind of go with what you was saying. If I'm an authority and I have well it's not an employee but somebody that's having trouble, even though they're really good at their job, we're going to figure out what the what the reasoning is, and if there's no legitimate reason for his tardiness, there's going to be um, oh, how do you say that consequences, consequences yes consequences. either. Uh, you can't do that in here, though, right? A verbal sure warning can. and a written warning, and all. that? Of course, that. you
0: can. Well,
1: yeah, some kind of um, consequence. This is the church
0: for... that love is building. We can fire them.
1: <laughs> That's me. If, <laughs> if you can't do it, then you can't do it.
0: No, uh, but I mean, you raise a great question. And can we dismiss him?
1: Or maybe I, I don't know about dismissing. Maybe like a timeout. Timeout.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's get another idea, John. <laughs>
3: I'd offer to pick the guy up. Beat the guy up. No, pick the guy up. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: <What>? <laughs> yeah.
0: Pick the guy up. <laughs> I'd, I'd offer
3: to pick him up and give him a ride to church, and then we could talk, and maybe. Oh, pick him up and give room. him a ride to church. Yeah. Oh, there we go. And find so out he's going to
0: make you late too.
3: Well, no. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. And then find out maybe there's something going on in his life. Maybe who knows? Maybe he works two jobs. Yeah.
0: You know. That's 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 good. I appreciate wanting to find out what's going on. Go go to Ray right back there. One more. We'll wrap it up. What I
1: actually think you I would do is I would sit the usher down and ask him if he understands the significance of the rule. He or she is playing. You are greeting people into the house of God. Okay? Now, like you said, if Jesus were to show up at 8 o'clock in the morning and it was announced, would you be late? You know, you're, you're greeting people, and it's a very important thing you have to do. Yeah. yeah. I'd ask him to pray about it. Yeah. Say, if you really feel you cannot face this responsibility, you may want to serve in another ministry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so you're dialing in on it right there. So first thing, of course, you, you've, you've prayed about it. You need to look to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you and guide you. He's going to give you the witness that you need. So you need to be in touch with him. You've talked to Pastor John. He's said, I trust you. You've got the same spirit I do. We know this brother's well-regarded. He's well-liked. Um, but then the second thing you've got to do is look at the responsibilities, Just as you said. What is the responsibility of the ushers? Why do they need to be here at 8? Well, they need to be here to greet newcomers. Some people don't know church doesn't start till 8, and for many of us, uh, not until worship's over. Uh, that's a dig, by the way, not an applause. Um, we need to be here on time, right? And, and the ushers need to be here early for those who come early help them with their seat show them where the children's classes are show them you know direct them however they can be they need to be here on time that's their responsibility and so they've been given an authority to carry out that role and you as a head usher are responsible to pastor john accountable to pastor john to make sure everyone's here to do their work so it's a simple matter of responsibility now if you can keep your focus on that now you can look at this brother who's been tardy all this time and you can make a decision with him. I like the way you approach it. Let's sit him down and understand. Do you understand the responsibility why you have to be here at 8? I know we've had this conversation before, but it doesn't seem by your behavior that you've grasped it. And if you don't get the, you know, the, if, you, if you write it down, maybe even have them sign it like they do in the workplace, this is your responsibilities. I need you here at 8. Can you agree to do that? Yes, brother, I, I agree to do that great, we're on the same page, let's go for another month. If not, we're going to have to see if maybe there's another place for you to work. Because we want you to work, but obviously this work is not working out. So you need to be able to have that position of authority and responsibility and address it for the responsibility it is, talk to them specifically about it, then hold them accountable. And if they doesn't do it, you need to be willing to let them go. It's not about them. It's just about you need, to be, you need to go back and say, I've got the job done, I've got it covered, someone else is going to step in. Now that's important for all of you who are not working because there may be opportunities for you to step in. And if somebody has to dismiss a worker, they need to have a bench of people to come on board and take their place. So be listening to the Spirit to see where your place is and when it would be. Last one. Upon dismissing this person from the ministry as an usher, this person becomes utterly offended and he leaves the church. As the word travels through the church, rumors start to surface implying that that you had a strong dislike for this person. Many are beginning to question your decision because they held this person in high regard. There are also rumors that more will leave the church if nothing is done about it. As a head usher, what should you do and Perhaps more importantly, what should you not do in response to this? For the sake of time, I'm going to give you the answer. Make it easy for you. You guys, I think, can all relate to this a little bit. We've seen it, those of us who've been around. Not the exact scenarios, but you can see how the devil gets division and strife going on, and he sows discord. And he makes people look at the flesh you didn't like him, he didn't like you you didn't handle that right, what's your problem this guy had a call in his life did you see what he did to that guy, I like that guy who's next, there's all kinds of gossip and yippity appity and discussion and the next thing you know you've got a crowd following him for absolutely no reason they don't know the whole story, so you guys, when you see something like that going on, don't engage in gossip pray for the usher who's been dismissed, he's still a brother in Christ pray for him and if he's not to be rooted and grounded here, pray that he finds the spot that Jesus wants him to be in, in his church. Pray that he does well. Pray for your enemies, even if he was your enemy. Right? Keep him in prayer. Pray for the usher who's the head usher. Recognize that he's just trying to carry out a responsibility. It's not personal at all. Pray for him. Support him. Stand behind him. Stand behind your pastor. And as a head usher, you don't need to come up here and take the mic and explain what you did. As a head usher, you don't need to come up here and, and justify your actions. Or throw the usher who is insubordinate under the bus. You never came here on time. You deserve to go. You don't want to do that. You, just, you let God defend you. You pray for the, pray for the congregation. Stand in one and one with pastor. And it will pass. And the people who are supposed to be here will stay here. And again, I emphasize prayer and communication. Those are the keys to making sure these things don't catch us. Uh, We're going to go to the last slide because it's just a summary of of all the key points and then we're going to pray. So in summary, we talked about abiding in Christ. We can't carry out our responsibility alone. We have to abide in Him. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Bear fruit that remains. We have a responsibility, a responsibility of the ministry of reconciliation, the responsibility to go and make disciples of all nations. Those are the fruits that remain. Why? Because they're everlasting Right? So we have a, a, a responsibility to submit to all authorities, submit to God, submit to the authorities, the law of the land, submit to one another in love. And, and then lastly, we have to do the works of God. So we can really grasp all these concepts and feel real good about them. But if we don't go and do the work, we, we've done nothing. You know, whereas a clanging brass or a sounding cymbal, there's nothing there. And we need to do it in love, of course. And, and, and lastly, we'll usher in our destiny, and it'll be our final scripture here in Revelation. Let's take a look at this. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. We don't have to worry about Satan's kingdom and the prince of the power of the air. We don't have to worry about the people and their attitudes and actions. We, when he comes for us, the kingdoms of this world will be dissolved and all will be subject to him. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And we won't have an issue being one with one another because love will permeate the whole thing. That's our destiny. Keep that in your vision. Keep that in your scope and it will help you when your flesh rises up to submit to it. Uh, Not to submit to it, to subject it, to put it down, to crucify it. All right, let's pray. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you all to participate in this. And this is a prayer essentially acknowledging that you're a sinner and a prayer acknowledging that you need a Savior and a prayer that says, Jesus, be my Lord. And if you're going to pray this prayer for the first time afterwards, I'm going to ask you to just acknowledge that, and we have some things to give you. Let's pray together. Father God.